Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Do you want to know how to speak appropriately? Do you want to know how to speak in front of people? Do you want to learn how to speak effectively and get the message that you want across? Do you want to learn all of these things and so much more? Uh, that's why we have Lori Smith here. She's from Voice Matters, and she is a voice coach, and she talks to people and lets them really work. I don't want to sp speak for you, but I'm going to. She really speaks to let people speak through their soul, to let them speak their real, honest-to-goodness truth, whatever that truth happens to be. And uh, most of us don't do that because we're scared. We're scared to do that because we don't want somebody to not like us anymore or something along those lines. So, Lori, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Always, 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 because I love, I love talking to people like you. You're, you're an empath. You are um, an intuitive. And so you talk to people um, from a deeper level than, than some do uh, because you, you feel really confident in your, your abilities and you can see people, can't you? I can see people. <laughs> <laughs> you see people, not just the outside exterior of people. You see what's going on within them. Yeah, I see I see who they are underneath anything that they've been taught to be. And most importantly, I feel like I see and sense what's blocking them from coming home to themselves and being who they really are. Why do you think you were given this gift? Mm, what a great question. Uh, there are times in my life where I felt very overwhelmed by it, including even a dark night of the soul as an adult. The, the shortest answer is, well, it's getting longer in my head as I think about it. <laughs> I think it's my piece of helping humanity, my piece of helping to make the world a better place. It's my calling to do this work. So then all of the people that I help can go and do their work in the world to help raise consciousness or help humanity improve, stop beating our heads against the wall and improve faster. Was there a moment in time when that mission became clear to you? Or has this been something that you carried from little girlhood forward? I, I actually think I may have come in knowing it or knowing parts of it until I was probably about five and then lost my way and then was getting signs and little nudges and whispers and ignoring a lot of them. And then I remember a moment I was teaching theater at a community college and a student about my age told me to go to a coaching class, which I did. I think I may have told you that story before. I'm going to leave that out so I don't take a whole sidetrack into that story. <laughs> and I went, I had had like a really challenging experience teaching in the year that she came up to me and suggested that I might be a coach and I should go to coaching school. I went to coaching school came back and started weaving in this way of weaving coaching into my teaching and was told there are budget cuts. Everybody who took the class last year is going to be back. Some of whom like outright hated my class. <laughs> so they're all going to be back because of the budget cuts. They're being told they have to take it again and your class is going to be twice as big. So it was like an ideal master class in theater is 12 students. I had 38, half of whom were incredibly, maybe not all of them, but you know, half of the half were not happy to be there. And I did it differently. 
I trusted my intuition. I held the space very differently. I didn't try to do it anybody else's way. I lived into my own way. And at the end of the quarter that year, I was watching all of these actors warming up and they had gone from like a living version of everything that's in that Mean Girls movie, all of the dark side of theater, the competition, the backstabbing, the cutthroat. They had gone from having a lot of that in the space to, to me, it was like they looked like beings of light because all of the protections were gone. They hadn't even started acting yet. They were warming up and they were connected and supporting each other, which is what the light side of theater can be like. People who are present with each other in a way that the outside world isn't. They hadn't even started acting yet. And I was sitting in the corner with tears streaming down my face, feeling so fulfilled and such a difference from the year before. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. I want more. And then my next thought was, this shouldn't just be for actors anymore. And I started feeling the call to, okay, it's, people that I would call leaders with a capital L, a new kind of leader uh, these days, because I was a reluctant leader myself for a long time. I am, I'm calling people like me the sensitive visionaries, ambitious empaths, and loving rebels who are here to disrupt and create change for the better. I was drawn there because I really would love to have this for every single human on the planet, and you can't reach all 7.9 billion people on the planet by yourself. And it's not a great way just to go, I'm coaching everyone is not the greatest way to run a business. No, but at the same time, you developed something that was pretty remarkable. In, in your coaching skills and what you did. I by the way, I think there's somebody at my front door. Can 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 you talk amongst yourselves for two seconds? I'll talk. What the heck will I do? I'll tell the rest of the story. I'll tell some kind of story while you're answering the front door. <laughs> tell the rest of the story. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will tell the part of the story. Uh, of why that student who was about my age came up to me and said I should go to coaching school. In the year that was the more icky year, I was still trying to teach the way I had seen my whole entire life, teach and lead, which is kind of professing knowledge from a podium. And she came up to me and she said, you're different. You don't do that on the podium professing your knowledge style. You're more of a coach at the same level, being curious, asking powerful questions. And when you trust yourself, you look like you're reading people's minds and you're drawing the best performances out of them, which you wouldn't know because you're only seeing them here. But she said, I'm in the other classes with them and none of the other instructors who are doing the professor thing are pulling these kinds of performances out of them. And it was one of those moments where her face looked like it was in a fun mirror and time seemed to be slowing down behind her. And then she said, I think you're a coach. And I had never heard of a coach beyond basketball, soccer, volleyball, and softball, but I knew intuitively that I needed to listen to her. And that's what sent me to coaching school, which sent me to leadership, which sent me to how I work today. We all, I at least I believe, because I've got a story very similar to that. And I, I really think that we all, when we come to a place when we are open and the universe or our guides, whatever, whoever is out there helping us, when, when they take it upon themselves to set it up, and I got set up. Uh, when they when they set it up for you to do certain things, let me tell you this real quick story. I was a waiter and a captain. I opened bottles of wine and did tableside Caesar salads and and stuff. And I was also a waiter at uh, at a fine dining restaurant. Uh, 
and one of the other guys, we became very good friends. And so we hung out a lot together. His father was a professor at Green River Community College, which is in Auburn, which is by where I live. And he, we were sitting by the pool one day and he said, you know, I think I want to take auto body. And they have a course at Green River for auto body. And I said, auto body? I can't see myself doing that. But, you know, what the hell? I can always learn something about auto body. And I was just, I was a waiter. So I was working like four hours a day. So I had a lot of extra time. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the, the school and we stood in line. In those days, it wasn't computer done. You got, you would, they had tables all set up. You remember this. They had tables all set up in the cafeteria or the gym. In this case, it was the gym. And they, and then the, the instructor would sit at the table and they had a little sign that said what they taught. And then you would go and they would explain what it was. And then you could sign up um, right there. And so we get to near the front of the line. And my friend looks at me and he says, you know, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I want to take on a body. Um, so I'm going to go to my my dad's classroom. Do you want to come? And I said, no, you know, I, I think I feel called to, to, I want to see what this experience would be like. So I get to the front of the line. And right there in the front, in the one of the front tables was something that said theater extempore. And so I said, I loved acting in, in uh, high school. And I'm an, I'm an actor every day because I'm a waiter and doing the Caesars and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think I'll try that. So I, I went and I sat down with the gentleman, signed up for two theater classes. One was um, uh, improvisational drama. The other one was theater extempore, which was the theater company. And um, it changed my life because I signed up for those things. Now, keep in mind, I didn't go there with that intention because somebody else gave me that intention. But I became in in the actor uh, and I was in three different productions. I met my wife there. I met some of my best friends there. And it quite literally changed the direction of my life. And then at the end of that year, I was doing um, Taming of the Shrew. Have you ever heard of that? that one? Yes, I have. <laughs> and thus, I have politically begun my reign. Is my hope to end successfully. My falcon is now sharp and passing empty. Anyway, that's all I remember from that. But uh, one of the guys who had a minor part was a disc jockey at KGRG, which was the radio station on campus. And he said, uh, and we got to talking, and he said, well, you know, you you can come do that in the summer. You don't have to sign up for anything. We'll just you can do you can do Sunday mornings in the summertime. And I was uh, the DJ um, in the in, in uh, for the radio station, and I loved it. And I loved acting, and I loved all that kind of stuff. So that twenty years later launched me into doing what I really wanted to do. But I think that it was divinely inspired, and it was all set to line up that way. Yeah, I think so too. Following the breadcrumbs. I feel like those signs are always there. And I, sometimes I, I had a friend who sent out an email. Well, she was one of the people in my leadership program who looked at me when we were in it and said, well, you have this all, all figured out. And I was like, mm, <laughs> I don't feel like I have anything figured out. And, you know, she talked about there's this voice thing and, um, it, you know, voice is vital. Voice Matters is now the name of my company. I didn't, it was like people holding a mirror up to me and me going, oh, it's crystal clear to you, but on the inside, it feels messy. And she sent out this email a couple of years later that I will never forget where she said, some people are a curvy roadster. Like some people seem to, that's what I would add, just go straight down a road of their calling and their purpose and what are they going to do with their lives. And some people are curvy roadsters where they're picking up little things along the way. And I thought it was a beautiful email. And I emailed her back and said, and some people look like they're a straight roadster to you on the outside when they're actually curvy roadstering on the inside of their own lives. 
I think that I think that's brilliant because that is so true because we each go through our lives on a day-to-day basis having experiences and I think in many cases it's how we view those experiences as to whether or not we're going to learn from them or not and not be victimized by them. Yeah. Uh, and and that sounds like even though it seemed messy to you from the outside mm-hmm. everybody thought you really had your stuff together. Yeah. And there was a through line there, I think, that made the road seem straight to everybody looking at me that I wasn't seeing. Because when you're living your own life, sometimes it's like you're kind of in the weeds and you don't have the 60,000 foot view. Whereas someone else looks at you and goes, oh, it's as clear as day. Okay, (laughs) what's as clear as day? Tell me and I'll take some notes. See, you and I use the same terminology. You know, I find this is so true in so many people that I talk to because I call it the 50,000-foot view Uh, because because we don't get to see. We get to see the tree behind us and the tree in front of us. And then we, our job is to trust that we're walking in the correct location and direction. And when we get off track, we are reminded Nah, nudge a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. And eventually we get to where we want to go. Um, but we have to be open. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's even happening. I'm not sure whether it's a little nudge or a bigger nudge. Um, I think it's a, to the outside, it would absolutely look like just a little nudge, uh, shaking shaking some things up in what I'm offering in my business where even as I was talking to you I was like well now that he's asking me this story about where this all started knowing what shifts are going on for me it feels a little bit like well duh why didn't I do this sooner (laughs) hindsight 2020 but you know why I firmly believe that there's a what is, what is it? A time and a season. There's a a moment in time when, had you done it three four years ago, you might not have been ready. But yeah. now the experiences are that you are, and so it becomes a real epiphany, and you can move forward with it because now you have all the tools in the tool bucket that you were supposed to have to do what you're going to do next. So tell me what you're going to do next. What am I going to do next? I am creating something that I'm calling the speaker's studio. Love the name, gives me chills. Uh, Origin story for that. I, I don't know if your listeners or you ever heard of or saw the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh, yes. Well, I grew up watching that. James Lipton. James Lipton. Love that show. And then when I was in my late 20s and early 30s, I studied in a space here in San Francisco called the Sideways Acting Studio. Um, A studio is a space for artists to do their work. I looked up the definition when this kind of started coming to me. And if it's a theater studio, you're doing it in collaboration. So you have, say, eight to 12 people in your master class And that was one huge catalyst that transformed my life. I was learning things in that acting class that were rippling out into my life. It was a safe space. We did deep work that was tailored to each person. And I, you know, 15 years ago had that student kind of create the origin of my business. So I'm running workshops and other programs and, you know, things are changing all the time. And for years and years and years, clients are asking me, like, now that we're done with the workshop, where can we go to practice? Now that we're done with this program, where can we go to practice? So I started offering some places to practice. And then all of a sudden I went, it doesn't really exist in the way that it did there. It, I have never found it in the world. So maybe I'm, I'm the one that's supposed to build it. 
And I went, well, I could do that and I'll call it the speaker studio. So it's a little tweak because I'm still doing the same, the same work, I'm coaching people on public speaking and yet really owning, it's an intimate setting, a tailored approach, deep work and getting everybody getting to work and getting feedback directly from me, it's going even more in that direction. And part of this is also, you know, we all get trapped up, tricked in our own head. Um, over the years, people would say, oh, what you're doing could be so much bigger than it is. Oh, where have you been hiding? Like I'm this undiscovered thing. And I am in some ways. And I kept thinking, oh, I'm supposed to have, I'm supposed to like build to have like Tony Robbins size events. And then I got a round of testimonials from people right as this kind of calling nudge was forming and a recurring theme in their testimonials was, oh, it's not like those one size fits all. Somebody's got a canned program. There's hundreds of people in the room. They say, here's my method, go out and do it in the world. They said, you do have an approach and you see us and give specific feedback and we do it again. And then you give us specific feedback and then we do it again. And then we go out into the world having embodied it. That's what makes you unique and special and the way you offer it. And I went, okay, I'm going to go in that direction where it's not about having hundreds or thousands, or I don't even know how many Tony Robbins has in his weekend things. It's about actually having like six to 12 people in the room, all getting personal time and personal feedback. That is the most powerful moment that people can have is when you've got there's there's also something called the circle which is kind of like that in the, now yours yours is specific to what you're doing but when you put a group of people together who are interested invested in each other's success and we care deeply about that so that, and you feel comfortable enough to be able to talk about things that you would not even talk to your family about. Mm -hmm. And, and that you can get advice and get people involved with it. That, that creates a completely different level. Well, you know, it completes a completely different level of human connection yeah. than, than most of us ever have in our entire lifetime. Yeah. And for speaking and acting, coming back to, you know, why the actor's studio and this thing kept calling to me. In 1947, three actors got together and formed the actor's studio. And part of their mission was to create a safe space for actors to go deep and do the work that was away from the casting directors, the Broadway stage, the agents. You're you're gonna kill me, Lori. But can you can you hold on just a second? Hello. Hi, Kevin. This is Kaylee with Fuller Electric. Hello. Hi. I'm so sorry. Our technicians ran into a little bit of an issue at the current job that they were on, so they're not gonna make it out to your house today. They're fired. Can we? Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, is it okay if we reschedule? Yes, but let me, let me, we're going to have to reschedule after the holiday. Yeah, no worries. Um, we're looking at Tuesday if you have available. Tuesday all day. You can show up and I'll, I'll be here. By the way, say hello to Lori. Oh. She's doing, we're doing a podcast right now. Hello. Hi, Lori. Hi. Hi. I, but, but before you go, by the way, what's your first name again? Kayleen. Kayleen. Uh, when she answers the phone, and I just I just loved it. Um, what do you say? Fuller Electric, this is Kayleen. How can I make your day brighter? How can I make your day brighter? Then this is Positive Talk yeah. Radio. So that's why you're on right now. So this will be on, and I'm not going to cut this out. So this is live. So you will. So how can I make your day brighter? You are a shining star, my friend. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And I hope you have a great day. I have to. You too. 
Thank you. I will. Bye. <laughs> All right. Bye. She's like, I don't believe that. But it, uh, it really is. <laughs> Yes, um, but th- thank you for putting up with that for me. But I, I, some there's guys that are supposed to be working on my electrical system and stuff, and and they got behind, so I had to take that because the front door is open and they were going to just walk in. So anyway, so it's but that's that's what happens in life. And, I was going to say you can tell that you've taken improv at some point in your life from that. <laughs> like, Those of you who haven't taken improv to be able to keep leading the podcast <laughs> and just work the person in that's, you know, improv skills give you that. Yes, and I I firmly believe in we I think we talked about it the first time that uh, improvisational skills regardless of what career fields that you are in, whether you are in sales, whether you are an insurance guy, whether you're a real estate guy, doesn't matter. If you, you need to be able to think on your feet and to do it in a way that doesn't sidetrack everybody <laughs> into oblivion. Yeah. You know, so, but th- thank you. I, I apologize for that. But, but because I, she said that to me today for the first time, she said, how can I make your day brighter? And it's like, that's the, that's, that's a cool thing. So yeah. I, I am glad she called because there are human beings and uh, Lori, I know you know this. There are human beings that are out there that are that way, and more of us and more of us are doing that. So, yeah, uh, that's a shining example of that. Yep. So, so thanks. <laughs> so, thank you. So now, where were we? <laughs> groups. Oh, we were talking. Yes, about Magic about group. group. Yeah, and and how in in your case. Um, you put a bunch of you put eight to 12 actors together and yeah. then you know, do you do scenes do you do on uh, reaching deep down into because it's always amazed me that people could cry on command uh to, to to be able to do that kind of thing well in the theater um you do scenes which is one of the things when i started coming up with the speaker studio i realized it can't i can't just run it the exact same way <laughs> that Richard ran our acting classes because you can put two people or three people or four people together, which then maximizes the time for the number of people. When it's speaking, it suddenly dawned on me. It's probably a little bit more like singers, a singer studio where everybody gets up and sings their one song and you learn to split up the time, either having everybody do a section of their song and just coaching the section or you have like a spotlight day where three people work and the others don't work. They watch and also learn by watching and giving feedback um, as well as exercises, games. Um, I've, I've been having exercises back from teaching theater come to me that I could do with speakers that I have not done yet because we've been on zoom and i'm about to bring in hybrid and in person bring in person and hybrid for people that live really far away back um a really fun exercise that i thought of earlier (laughs) Uh, i used to teach voice for acting and one of the things that is important is that people know how to breathe yes and I've done a lot of stuff one-on-one for a long time now. And I suddenly remembered we used to play a game that's actually helping people to breathe and make sound instead of suppressing and having the throat do all the work, which was to play catch with an imaginary energy ball. So I wind up and throw you the energy ball and you catch it. And there's kind of an improv bit worked in there because it's like you have to catch the ball that was actually thrown you need, it's imaginary. <laughs> so you have to see, did the person throw it like they're throwing a baseball on a pitcher's mound or did they lob a nice soft one up high? You have to be paying attention and listening to what you're being given enough to respond to that and then catch it by inhaling and then woo, 
make a sound as you send it back. So you've got this like sound imaginary breath catch going back and forth, which is a really fun way of teaching the body inhale and then talk using the air rather than me just saying that again and again and again. It's like, yeah, but your body got into the rhythm of that while you were playing imaginary ball breath catch. <laughs> Did you ever have somebody saying, what the heck do you want me to do that for? I, of course. I, I worked with people from like age 17 to 65 and as I sometimes get in the speaking world, when I did it in theater, people would come with a world of experience and a lot of bad habits. And some people would come in with hardly any, any experience that were like an open book and they would be together in the same room. So I learned um, to explain, here's the reason why I'm asking you to do this because some of the teach some one of the things that I didn't like about theater, and I remember going and giving a presentation at a theater conference about how disempowering we could be sometimes. Just saying, do this. Why? Because that's the way it's always been done. Because that's the way theater works. I was like, I don't, I don't like that. And I was in more of a rebel, you know, I was a teacher's pet when I was younger. And then I emerged into more of this rebel. I'm going to question everything. I'm going to be the one saying why, but why, but why, which I did when I was five and then grew out of it and then grew back into it. Well, actually, it was probably beaten out of you when you were five. It was like, kids should be seen and not heard. Just be quiet. Yeah. Don't even ask. That's enough. Just be quiet. Yeah. I th yeah. Uh, especially in school, you know, so I learned just, you know, to intuit what the answers to all the tests were. And I now know how I did that. You asked me at one point how I work with people. I hear people. I've been told it's it has a name. It's called clairaudient, yeah. like clairvoyant, clairaudient. When people speak, the things that are important to them sound like they have an oral equivalent, oral equivalent of a neon sign around it. So not, not knowing this, I'm getting straight A's in school and I'm, I'm studying, but I'm not studying that much. I'm taking great notes. I don't understand why it's so hard. And then at some point I realize I have this skill and I flash back over my entire life and I realize that it's, it's all those neon signs were saying, this is on the test. This is on the test. <laughs> And that's why I was taking notes on those pieces. And probably for all of my friends, some of them were taking notes of every single thing the person said and trying to memorize it all. And some were sitting there and just swimming in details and going, I can't tell what's important here and what's not. That's amazing that, that, that you would have that clarity around around that, that that was what was actually happening because you're right people get people get very confused if they're not listening intently and carefully about about what's being said yeah um and i i have i loved acting class and i love doing talking uh about improv and that kind of stuff but and it's helped me a great deal in my career uh, yeah. doing other things now that now that i'm doing this I didn't know that I would, when I started doing this, I had no idea if I'd be any good at it or not. Um, and apparently I'm okay. So <laughs> yes. it, it works out. It works out fine. And, and you're someone who can help someone like me and get even better. Yes. Um, and so that's, that's, so Lori, help me. How can I get better? Ooh, how do you want to get better? <laughs> <laughs> well let's see no we'll leave that aside no well i i want to be able to talk to anyone through my voice through the show that has a impact on their being so that they know that energetically we are connected and that what i'm saying is inherently the truth at least as far as in my world and that I'm not deceiving anyone and I'm not trying to 
take them down a, a false road. I really genuinely want to offer them the very best that I can. And that includes when I talk to people like you. Mm -hmm. That feels like you want what's coming out to be in alignment with what's in your heart without oh. any static. Damn, I wish I'd have said that. Yes. <laughs> and I, I like to give people three words that will help you and anyone else. And I have a feeling you're intuitively doing a lot of this which is the three words are intend, align, invite. Intend is setting the intention for what is it that you want them to feel emotionally or energetically when you're talking or by the end of a given episode. Aligning is aligning your body, your breath and your energy with that intention, with your most expressive self, and you used the word energy in yours, it's almost like you can imagine that you're hugging your listeners. You're hugging, if you've got a person coming on to do a podcast with you who's maybe a little nervous, you're hugging them through the ethers, wrapping them up in the energy of that intention that you set. And then you invite them to come along for the journey with you. And some people, you know, there's 7.9 billion people on the planet. When we invite people with that kind of, I'm here showing up fully, I'm hugging the space, I'm inviting you in, and I'm completely unattached to whether or not you join. Or my soul is completely unattached. My ego and my soul suckers and other parts of me may be very attached, but I'm not <laughs> letting them take the wheel. Right. Um people feel safe to jump in and to listen deeper and to transform more. And the right ones who are aligned will join you on that journey. And if there are some that they're, you're not their person, they're not your people, let's take me, I'm a speaking coach. I can go speak somewhere and invite people into a program and the right ones come toward me because they feel the clarity of that energetic signal that I'm putting out. And the ones that are like, oh no, she's not my person. It's crystal clear because there's no static making, making it harder for everybody, harder for me, harder for them to know and make up their minds. So how do you can you create the intention by just saying it? Yes. Um, and eventually you might even feel it. And when I have something coming up that's like extra heightened, well, I'll say this. I write it down for every program that I'm going to run, every workshop that I'm going to run, I'll write down some kind of an intention or like a full sentence stake in the ground or north compass to guide me. And the more new or challenging it is, um, the more important it is even for me to do that. And this is what I teach. I'm not thinking about it all day for a lot of things. It's like it connects me to the the pulse of knowing in my gut that knows how to, how to be, what to say, when to not speak, because I've set that intention. You know, and you said the other thing that I have very rarely have I ever admitted on this show. And that is that um, because of my intuitive abilities, I have steered them into this way of, conducting an interview and asking questions and bringing things along and keeping the thing moving in the appropriate direction. And that's not coming from me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> to me, it absolutely does. Yeah. It's um, you're, you're channeling, harnessing what needs to happen. Our intuition, it's like our intuition is our soul speaking to us or what's even beyond the soul, giving us little whispers, go here, what about this question, go there, that was interesting. 
Um, it's very similar to coaching, actually. I get I get told all the time that uh, you know, I was listening to your interview and I was thinking about this question, and then you asked it mm-hmm. um, because I'll get I'll get questions that'll just pop into my head, mm-hmm. and I don't question their their validity. I always I, I honor them because I honor the people that are helping me to do this. I it's almost like I feel like, and I don't know, Lori, if you do the same thing when you're coaching. It's almost like you've got a group of people that are that are around you that are like that are like whisper they're listening intently as to what's going on. They're having a discussion with themselves saying, well he should ask it this way or he should do this and or do and do you feel like that as well? I do. Um like angels whispering questions and things in my ear. I remember um in my second coaching class ever, I was the one on the hot seat doing the coaching. And, you know, I'm a baby coach at that point. And I could track the person's energy, which is, it's vital to really coaching, really coaching is that you are with them. You can see and feel what's happening. But it was like I didn't know my lines. You know, I was such a baby coach. I could feel and track them, but I didn't know what to do with what I was noticing. And I even stopped at one point and just looked at one of the instructors and was like, hell, it's like there's no words. I just see the person and what's going on with them. And it's like I see complete white blank around them. And then three to six months later, I went back and I assisted that same class after I had coached all the time with clients that were coming to me and taken more classes. And I went back and I assisted that one. And I, as an assistant, they pull you in when they need an extra person. And I sat down with someone and I saw them and I started to read them. And then it was like, all these options came into the white space around them. And I was feeling possibilities and hearing like questions or beginnings of questions coming into my inner ear and just kind of going, oh, I'll just pick one. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever one. Um, And now I think it's become more fine tuned where one of the options, it's like, especially if I'm hearing a question in my head, it's like one of those beings that is there with us, helping us is talking more clearly and more loudly in my ear. And that's, usually the one that I interrupt and ask, or it's called intruding in coaching. You intrude in service of where they want to go with the coaching. That's interesting. So let me ask you, why do you think it is that people like you actually, people like you exist? Why do you think that the universe has set it up so that people can come to you and can, and can get through some of the things without having to go necessarily through it themselves or to stumble through it to they find the right answer. Why do you think the universe set it up for people like you to exist? Mm, I feel like I have two answers to that. Um, One is the bigger one is it would be an amazing, amazing world if every single person on the planet had a trained true coach And what that means is that the coach, a true coach is not, hey, Kevin, what do you wanna talk about this week? Okay, here's my advice. Here's what I would do if I were in your situation. A true coach is like a neutral blank slate whose job is to mirror back, this is what I just noticed and ask questions so that your wisdom from within comes forth from, I mean, it can be so ridiculously simple. I just noticed this happened. It seemed like a smile came across your whole body when you said that. What does that mean to you? That is powerful, powerful coaching when you leave the space for the person to go, wow, 
I have a smile across my whole body when I say that thing. I didn't know that. Well, maybe that means that's the choice. That's the, you know, they go inside and have this awakening. And it's not like I said, well, you should choose this school for your graduate program. We have parents, when we're being raised, we have parents, we have school principals, we have teachers who all are like experts telling us what we should do. And a coach comes in and goes, what do you want? Boy, you know, it's interesting that, that, that you're saying that because you, you just, you just gave, you gave me an epiphany. <laughs> what was your epiphany? My epiphany was that you don't coach anybody. What you do is you help people coach themselves and to bring it out within themselves of who they really are and to help them get rid of some of the blockages that are preventing them from understanding what they're here to do and why and, and who they really are. It's yeah. a profound difference. Yeah. And I will say as a speaking coach, I'm a little bit of like a coach sultant. Yes. So coaching from the coaching world is more like I'm helping you to coach yourself. Speaking coaching has a little bit of a consultant hat where it's like, well, if you want to do X with your voice in the world, now I'll put on my expert hat and we'll talk about what's going on in your rib cage. That's preventing that from coming across. So I do both. And the, the place where all of the true learning is, is in more of the great questions and mirroring back what you're seeing. Because then by doing that, you're opening them up to, oh, that was the perception of what I was putting out there. Did I mean it that way? Yeah. And, and, or I meant it that way, but I didn't think that it was that apparent. Yeah. Or it, it, so that just opens up a, a whole range of, of, of things. And so, so why is it that some of us are naturally, I've always been told I have the gift of gap, whatever that means. Um, why are some of us more gifted at public speaking and some of us are scared to death of it? Hmm. I think everybody is a little scared to death of it, though. Um, let's say we're not. Let's say you absolutely love it. It's like <laughs> there's a the the Seattle thing behind you, which makes me think of a roller coaster. Yeah. Great speaking feels Fair. more like a roller coaster ride. Yes. Than sitting on your couch. I have a couch. You have something close to a roller coaster. Um. Some people are comfortable in the discomfort of the roller coaster ride. Some people describe speaking as thrilling, as there's a rush there. The mistake that I think a lot of the world is making is they're like, I'll help you become comfortable while you're speaking. And my first coach used to say to people, darling, I'm not the least bit interested in your comfort. <laughs> I'm not interested in people being comfortable when they're speaking because it might mean they're numb. And if you're a speaker who wants to do something to help transform the room, transform the planet, you can't do that from numb. So it's about um, the people who are not comfortable are labeling all of that sensation that happens from speaking in public as something bad and thinking that there's something wrong with them. If they have sweaty palms or their legs shake a little bit and they don't know how to move through it, there's a lot of energy happening when you speak in public. Um, if you're comfortable with it and you label it a rush, a thrill, even some of my clients, we use scare-sighted <laughs> or nerve-sighted, like it's both. You're feeling a lot of sensation and part of you is scared and part of you is really excited. The people who know how to harness all that sensation and do something with it are great. And they have a capacity to really transform a room and make the room feel seen and heard. 
The people that are numb, never going to be great from numb. Sorry. The people that are scared and are feeling called because of some mission, their path to great might even be faster than the numb person because there's no ice to melt first. That's that's really interesting. By the, by the way, we have we have been talking with Lori Smith. I promised that I would keep an eye on the clock and I'm going to keep my word. Um, but because she's she's got to go but if you want to if somebody wants to get a hold of you Lori, how do they do it best way to do that is to go to my website which is voice-matters.com say that one more time it's voice-matters.com and she is um she works for you with, with with your voice she works with you for your presentation. She can do all of those things so that if somebody says, hey, you know, I love your information, you should do a TED Talk. You're not going to crap your pants. You <laughs> might even be willing to do it. And and she can help you get through all of that all of that stuff that, that, that we all as human beings get saddled with. Um, we got to go, but is there anything else that you would like to say before we go? Hmm. I may have said this the last time I talked to you and it's here. I don't care. You're really good. Uh, for you and all the people listening, you are a unique and beautiful soul. Your voice is needed in the world. Lori. Smith has been our guest and I want to thank you so much, so much for being here and lift everybody lift your voice up in song and love and caring for one another. Even if it's to the grocery store checkout clerk, you can start your speaking there. Um, so Lori, if you wait right here, I'll be right back. And again, thank you for being here. You, I have such a good time, such a good time when we talk. So I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.